are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Friday, May 14th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. And on today's show, we take the first of several trips throughout the course of the summer through our good friends at PlayoffPredictors.com to go through the Dolphins' 2021 schedule. In addition to the rest of the 2021 NFL schedule, I've picked my picks uh, based on what we know right now about all the teams for all 32 teams. So when we get through walking through the Dolphins' schedule, I can tell you what the playoff picture looks like where the Dolphins rank amongst their AFC contemporaries, uh, how they rank amongst the AFC East. And I'm looking forward to walking through each and every stop along the way from week one in New England to week 18 in Miami against New England. So without further ado, I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and excited to... uh, show off my avid passion for playoffpredictors.com. So let's get into it. Week by week, we go week by week. It is starting week one, the Miami Dolphins travel to Foxborough for a repeat, first half of a repeat of the first two games of the season from the 2020 season for Miami. The challenge for the Dolphins, and I said this yesterday when we did the -the off-the-cuff reaction to the uh, the schedule, Miami must avoid a similar fate to what they experienced last year, which was a 1-3 and three start. You cannot afford that in a crowded playoff picture like you have in the AFC. And just for point of context, there are two teams with winning records through uh, 17 games at the end of the road here that we're going to get to. Two teams with winning records miss the playoffs. So... Excuse me, three teams with winning records because you you are no longer eight and eight. You're either nine and eight or eight and nine. Three teams with winning records miss the playoffs in this projection. You can't afford to start one and three. You cannot do it. The good news for Miami is I'm getting a win week one against the Patriots. New England has the opportunity to bring in uh, some things out of left field from a coaching perspective, which is an area for concern. But ultimately, at the end of the day. They've brought in a ton of new bodies. And I think that many players stepping into a Belichick cerebral-type system and even a Josh McDaniels complex system, you're going to have training camp, you'll have some preseason, but you're not going to put anything on on tape in preseason that you're actually going to roll out there week one. You want to keep as much of that stuff under wraps as possible. So I think all the moving parts for New England does put them at a serious disadvantage, even though they have one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game leading the charge in Bill Belichick. Miami goes north. I think they understand the gravity of the situation. Uh, Miami beat New England in Miami towards the tail end of last year. I think the Dolphins and their reinforcements defensively, particularly Bernardrick McKinney and Javon Holland as tacklers, Uh, whether that's running the alley in Holland's case or alternatively McKinney between the tackles as a run stuffer, that presence, uh, if they are as advertised, uh, will be a big boost to the Dolphins. So give me a week one win in New England 
to start off the season. 1-0, good start. Uh, here's the bad news. You play the Bills week two. Uh, and here's the thing about the Bills. Like, law of averages says Miami's going to win against the Bills sometime. But I can't in good conscience pick them to beat the Bills until they actually do it at this point. It's five straight and seven out of eight. So, you know, I could sit here and paint a really rosy-colored picture of, yeah, well, they closed the gap, Buffalo stayed the same, Miami got better as a team. And listen, if Tua Tagovailoa ends up being what we think he can be in year two, based on all of the reports from anybody and everybody, whether it's his trainer, the team, his receivers, his social media account, you name it. There's a, a ton of positive buzz around Tua Tagovailoa and the efforts he's putting forth this offseason in an offseason in which he's actually able to train and work to bring his body to a new level instead of trying to return it where it used to be in the past and focusing on rehab versus focusing on strength training and getting better at playing quarterback at the NFL. There's a chance Miami can, can make, a, make a major leap and next step. But, much like beating Buffalo, there's almost a part of it that I, I need to see it on the field first. Uh, because he had a ton of drops against Buffalo Week 17. He had a ton of drops in general last year. But there were games, which you had highs, like Arizona, and the Chargers game. And then there were games in which you had lows. The Denver game, the Raiders game. So I'm expecting a little bit of variability from a week-to-week basis with Tua. And in a game in which Tua would have to be at his absolute best for Miami to win, because that's how we've played Buffalo, it's just too many things that would have to go right. So I'm going to take Buffalo to win in Miami Week 2, spoiling the season opener. It is what it is. Uh, But then they go on the road, they play the Raiders. Here's the thing about the Raiders. Uh, The Raiders as a team feel like the Titanic right now. Uh, There were reports as soon as the NFL draft was over that nobody within the building liked what they did in the NFL draft. They've completely remodeled their offensive line. Got rid of Rodney Hudson, arguably one of the best centers in football. They have a new right tackle. They have a new right guard. They went out and redrafted a bunch of safeties two years after drafting a safety in the first round in Jonathan Abram. Defensively, they added Yannick Ngakwe as a pass rusher, which I like as an addition for them. But I mean, you just look at the depth chart for the Raiders, and I don't know that they're a better team than they were last year when they gave the Dolphins everything that they could handle. And when you consider that the Dolphins were a team that, again, got better, and you're banking on positive play from Tua Tagovailoa, and he, of course, this will be the first fascinating matchup against a team that gave him fits. I'm encouraged that you know, this can be a win for Miami. They're pass catchers right now, the Raiders. Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, John Brown, Willie Sneed, Zay Jones. They lost the guy who torched us last year in Nelson Aguilar. Their center, Andre James, or Nick Martin, or Jimmy Morrissey, a seventh-round pick. Right guard, Denzel Good. They drafted Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Defensively. New starters. They got Yannick Ngakwe at defensive end. They got Trevon Mari, free safety, projected to start at free safety. I don't know that they're better defensively. So give me a win against the Raiders in week two. I don't care. 
You know, it's it's not the, the home opener. It's not the first ever game at the new Death Star where the Raiders play. It's the second game. Tickets, by the way, cheapest ones in the house are 500 bucks. if that floats your boat. Uh, so give me Miami. So two and one. So that's the good news is, okay, now we've avoided the disaster start. And now you get a nice one-two punch here of AFC South contenders, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, back-to-back. Miami's home for the Colts game, which is nice. Because remember, Indy's a dome team from the Midwest coming south. And I guarantee you Miami will wear white in this game, meaning the Colts have to wear navy blue in the sun for a game that's going to be played at 1 o'clock p.m. on October 3rd. It's going to be hot. I think that home field advantage, plus the dynamics that we talked about with Carson Wentz when we did the schedule reaction and when we did what games we're hoping to see early in the schedule, the Colts were among the teams we were hoping to see early. Before Carson Wentz had a chance to really establish his chemistry with his new pass catchers. And when you look at what the Colts have in the wide receiver room, T.Y. Hilton, who is slowing down physically, Michael Pittman, second-round pick last year, Paris Campbell, second-round pick two years ago, who has struggled to make an impact. Zach Pascal, Desmond Patton, J.J. Nelson. You think about the Dolphins' secondary. Are you intimidated by what the Colts have at wide receiver? No. They're tight ends. Jack Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, Kylan Granson, a fourth-round rookie this year. Are you intimidated by the tight end position? No, you're not. They lost their starting left tackle. And they're plugging in with Eric Fisher, who may or may not be physically ready to play in this game, coming off an injury, which means Sam Tevy would start at left tackle next to Quentin Nelson. Considering once won't have chemistry, considering the pass catchers that the Colts have at their disposal. Now, granted, the Colts' defense is very, 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 very good. It's a very good defense. But I think Miami's is better. And Miami's at home. And I like Brian Flores. So, therefore... Give me the Dolphins. Three and one start. Uh, I will not get cute. I think there's a pathway to Miami defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. But considering I did give the Dolphins the benefit of the doubt against their three wins thus far, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Colts, I will not get cute. Give me a Bucks win at home against Miami in week five, which would push the Dolphins to 3-2 and two before their trip to London, facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of feedback I've got. I've got a lot of friends over in Europe who listen to the show, a lot of Dolphins fans who interact with me with our workings over at the Draft Network. And uh, The Dolphins are one of the more popular teams across the pond. Would not be surprised if that quote-unquote rogue game, which is quote-unquote a neutral site game, uh, actually has quite a bit of support for the Dolphins. Uh, Urban Meyer, rookie quarterback, heading over to London, experience they've never had before. Granted, these Dolphins are young as well, uh, but Brian Flores is in year three of his NFL tenure, and he's been coaching at the NFL level for much longer than Urban Meyer. And his defense, his Dolphins defense, will be facing a rookie quarterback. I like the Dolphins there to push us after the first six games, which I think is the major gauntlet in the Dolphins' schedule, to 4-2. and two. That's the good news. Well, I do think there I can see very easily navigatable paths for the Dolphins to be 500 at absolute worst 
if you want to say Kyle, he gave him the benefit of the doubt against the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Colts, they won't win all three. Okay, you know, you could twist my arm. I'm not going to fight you. But the path to the winning record through the first six games is there, and that is the most daunting stretch for the Dolphins. If you'd like to get in on a little bit of action for yourself, sports betting, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Get all the latest news, odds, and info from your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the latest news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available to you. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. So head over to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So the Dolphins, they come back from London. And they catch the Falcons off the bye, which sucks. Royally sucks. But here's the thing. I look at the Atlanta Falcons, and I look at their roster. Matt Ryan is a challenging matchup. He's a very good quarterback at the NFL level. Julio Jones expected back. Calvin Ridley expected back. Kyle Pitts now in the fray. But I look at the running game, and I look at the offensive line here. Falcons offensive line, Jake Matthews, projected offensive line, Jake Matthews, Willie Wright, or third-round pick Jalen Mayfield, Matt Hennessy, or fourth-round rookie Drew Dahlman. Both of those guys won't start. And then Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. McGarry's not very good. Lindstrom missed time last year because of an injury. Hennessy and Wright on the inside, not super daunting. They lost Todd Gurley, not that Todd Gurley was overly dynamic anymore. Anyway, their top backs are Mike Davis and Quadri Olsen. They got pass catchers, but again, this is why I feel like Miami really poured assets into the secondary so that they can be ready for challenges like these. And then you look at what they got cooking over on the defensive side of the football. I'm just going to read through their their projected starters on the depth chart right now. Jacob Tuoti Mariner, Grady Jarrett, Tyler Davidson, Dante Fowler, Deion Jones, Fosade Olakun, Kendall Sheffield, Eric Harris, Jalen Hawkins, or safety, a rookie safety, Richie Grant, Isaiah Oliver, A.J. Terrell. Are you intimidated by that group at all? The answer should be no. Now, Dean Pease is coaching it, which is a huge boost for Atlanta. But I just don't think they have the talent. And you look at where they invested their their assets. They went out and they got a bunch of guys for Arthur Smith's offense. Arthur Smith is going going to want to run the ball, play action pass, I think this is too early from a personnel perspective in Atlanta's realignment for them to have the kind of success that they're hoping for. So, yes, they're coming off the bye. Uh, and I have the Falcons at their bye week. Pull this up and tell you exactly where I have them. Uh, with a record of 2-3 and three coming out of the bye. Wins over the Jets and the Eagles. Losses to the Buccaneers and Giants on the road and the foot Washington football team at home. Give me another Dolphins dub, which puts this team now at 5-2, going into Buffalo Week 8 for another massive matchup on Halloween. And uh, the Bills are coming off the bye in this week. So the Dolphins catch two teams consecutively coming off the bye. And I've already made my thoughts very clear on the Buffalo Bills. And as a result, uh, I am going to pick the Buffalo Bills in this football game. I am not ready to put Miami in that stratosphere until they illustrate it on the field. Again, 
If Tua Tagovailoa makes his leap, and the Dolphins, they play sound football, they finish their opportunities on Josh Allen when they get pressure instead of letting him escape that and extend plays and then throw the ball downfield, the path to winning is there. It exists. And the Dolphins did a lot of the things necessary, in my opinion, to close the gap. They went out and got a stud pass rusher in Jalen Phillips. They got better in the nickel. They got better at free safety, assuming they're playing somebody, even if it's Javon Holland. They got better in the secondary in general. They're going to play more sub-package, so I'm not worried about the coverage linebacker as much based on the trends that they made with how much resources they poured into the secondary. You're just not, you're not going to run up in, in base defense. You're going to have to play nickel as the base. And that was already the trend last year. That's how Nick Needham is on his path to play 60% of the defensive snaps. I would expect they ramp that up even more with Javon Holland's versatility. That's the path. you got to get home with your organic pass rush. You can't throw the, the kitchen sink at him. And when you get home, you got to bring him to the ground. And you got to play in subs, so you got guys that are athletic enough to take, or take away the crossing routes. But I will pick the Bills coming off the bye at home against Miami. So Miami will, in this projection, not own a win over the Bills. Bounce back game, if there ever was one, if you ever wanted to see a team on the schedule between a home game against the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night and a road game against the Bills who are coming off a bye, it would be the Houston Texans. There's going to be no trap game here because Miami is going to, in this projection, lose to Buffalo. So you come home, you recalibrate, you play the Texans, and you collect a win there, which puts the Miami Dolphins at 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, and 3. Going into week 10, Thursday night football at home against the Baltimore Ravens, who in my projection end up winning the AFC South with a tiebreaker over the Cleveland Browns. And I would really love to project a Miami win here. I really, really would, sincerely. But Baltimore has so consistently, not just beat Miami, beat down Miami. And I do think... Their secondary against Miami's receivers, their blitz opportunities against a young Dolphins offensive line and a young starting quarterback can really create some problems. And you pair that with offensively, Miami has beefed up their interior defense, but Baltimore, with their speed to the perimeter with Lamar Jackson, and their ability to pair that with power between the tackles is just a really challenging matchup. So I think this will be a close football game because Miami is much better than the last time they played them and lost by 49 points. Immeasurably better. But I will pick Baltimore to win this game, which puts the Dolphins going into their Week 11 matchup against the Jets at 6-10 and 10 and firmly in the thick of the playoff race which you feel good about. And if I told you, hey, you're going into the final seven games in which you play one of your next four on the road and it's against the Jets before you are home for a month and play Panthers, Giants, bye week, and Jets again, would you take it? Your answer damn well better be yes. 
Absolutely. Just like if I told you you could save 15% on Built Bar, would you take that? Your answer damn well better be yes. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars. Nine plus flavors right now to, to select from at BuiltBar.com. Whether you're looking for something that's healthy to grab on the go, whether you're looking for something post-workout, something to start your day at breakfast, or just something that tastes great, Built Bar can fill that need for you in your dietary schedule. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, save 15% on the next order of Built Bar at BuiltBar.com, and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. So I kind of spoiled this a little bit. I got the Dolphins sitting at 6-10 and 10 through the first 10 games. Coming off a Thursday night loss to Baltimore, and then you get an extra three days of preparation going into Week 11, going up to New York to play the Jets. Give me a dub. Um, the Jets have some nice things going for them long term. But the Jets are a team who, I think when you measure them up with where they are at right now, they're probably very excited about Zach Wilson and what he can be. But I'm just going to read through, again, the death chart. Their wide receivers are Corey Davis is the one, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole. It's the top five wide receivers on the team. Their projected offensive line is Mekhi Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten, and George Fan. Maybe Dan Feeney takes a guard spot. Their tight ends, Chris Herndon, Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft. Their running backs, LaMichael P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, a fourth-round pick this year, Zach Wilson, a quarterback. They made a lot of good investments to set this team up for success down the road, but I don't think this is an overly competitive group in year one. Regardless of who they've brought in from a coaching staff perspective, they won't be as bad as they were last year because Gase is gone. But um, this, is, this is not an overly inspiring 2021 group for the Jets. You look on defense, there's some things to like. I like their defensive interior quite a bit. They got Quinn Williams, Sheldon Rankins. They added in free agency, Foley Fatukasi, Nathan Shepard. They added Vinnie Curry and Carl Lawson for defensive ends. But then you get to the secondary. I mean, never mind that the linebackers are Blake Cashman, C.J. Mosley, and Gerard Davis. They're okay. That's an okay group, especially if Mosley's healthy. They're corners. You ready? Let's take a little trip. Bless you on Austin, Corey Ballantyne, Jason Pinnock, Bryce Hall, Justin Hardy, Michael Carter, Javelin Guidry, Brandon Eagles, Lamar Jackson, not that Lamar Jackson. Those are the corners, Jack, Jason Pinnock. Those are the linebackers on this team right now. Safeties, Ashton Davis, Marcus May, LaMarcus Joyner, JT Hassel. The secondary is a big problem. And I don't think, unless Carl Lawson blows up to a degree in which he has yet, the heights he has yet to reach, I don't think they have enough push up front to be a consistent problem. Give me a Dolphins dub in New York, in northern New Jersey, against the Jets. Push this team to 7-4, and four, and then they're home for two games before the bye. Carolina and New York. Carolina's got really good skill players. I'm not overly blown away by their offensive line. I know that they've made some changes. They brought in Pat Elfline. 
They retained Taylor Moton. They drafted Deontay, Deontay Brown and Brady Christensen. But I don't know that they did enough on the offensive line to help Sam Darnold, who's going to be thrown to really good wide receivers and running backs. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall Jr., David Moore. That's a really good one through four at your wide receiver spot. They get a rookie, Tommy Tremble, projected to take primary tight end stuff alongside Dan Arnold. And then obviously you have Christian McCaffrey. I think that offensive line can be problematic. I think Miami's defense can feast off of that. And then defensively, I do think Carolina has a nice group. Brian Burns is a stud. Derek Brown was a top 10 pick last year. Yeter Gross Matos, Shaq Thompson. They added Denzel Perryman in free agency. They added Hassan Reddick in free agency. They drafted J.C. Horn with a number eight overall pick. Like They got some, some folks that can make some noise. But I don't know that their secondary depth is overly imposing. And I think Miami can challenge them with personnel to kind of either put their base defense in disadvantageous situations. I didn't even mention Jeremy Chin, by the way, who's excellent. If you listened to the show last year, you knew we were pounding the table here on Locked on Dolphins for Chin to be a Dolphin. I just don't know that they're, they're finished, that this finished product is where it needs to be for Carolina to have a really, really good defense. Could I see Miami losing this game? Yes. But this is a Dolphins podcast. I ain't going to pick them to lose at home to Carolina. So that's another win, which makes them 8-4, and four, going into the Giants game ahead of the bye. Could I see the Dolphins losing this game? I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I do think the Giants, to their credit... They've got a brick wall defensively in the middle. I like what they have there. Austin Johnson, Dexter Lawrence, Danny Shelton, Leonard Williams. They get a bunch of people movers up front defensively. It will be very difficult to dictate the pace of play and reset the line of scrimmage, but Miami has the kinds of bodies with Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg. Austin Jackson in the run game, I think they they can hold their own. Uh, And then in the secondary, they are a little bit challenging. So you're going to have to, Mike Gusecki's going to have to have a big game in this football game for the Dolphins to have success. They got James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, Adore Jackson. They drafted Aaron Robinson in the third round. They've got some contributors here who, who are capable of making some noise. But I don't know if they have a true outside pass rush threat that can take advantage of Miami's perceived weakness there with Austin Jackson at left tackle, unless they put Leonard Williams over top of him. A lot of these other guys, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton, they're big bodies up front. They don't really attack the pocket. Lawrence can, he's physically capable of it, but it's not really where he truly wins. Uh, So I think this is another game that I think is a winnable game, but Miami, again, is at home. This is a game that takes place late in the season. It's in December, December 5th, a northern team having to come down south. Miami will again wear white, I guarantee it, and make a team wear blue and stand in the sidelines. In the sun. Give me Miami here. Which puts this team now 
at 9-4 and four, going into the bye week. Exciting times to be a Dolphins fan. Coming out of the bye, you got the Jets, 10-4 and four, at home in that game, which means 10-4 and four with three games left to play. Saints and Titans on the road, home against the Patriots. Miami goes 2-1 and one in this stretch. They're punching their ticket. The good news, I could tell you right now, even if the Dolphins go 1-2 and two in this stretch, based on the way I picked the rest of the season to play out across all 32 teams, Miami would still make the playoffs. I have Miami being playoff bound this year. I have a win in New Orleans against the Saints on Monday Night Football. Would not be surprised if this game ends up getting flexed out, by the way. Uh, why do I have a win? Their starting quarterback is either going to be Taysom Hill or it is going to be Jameis Winston. If it's Jameis Winston, the Dolphins are a team, the kind of team, I should say, that can manufacture a lot of negative plays and turnovers. The Saints' offensive line is very good. Teron Armstead, Andrews Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Ryan Ramchak. At wide receiver, they have Michael Thomas. I'm not saying anybody's going to shut down Michael Thomas, but I think the Dolphins' secondary, including Xavier Howard, is physically capable of negating some of what Michael Thomas brings to the game. They don't have a threat at tight end, and you obviously have Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. That's the big challenge, is if it's Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, how do you handle that? Taysom Hill is not the speed runner or as good of a thrower as what Lamar Jackson is. But I think that Baltimore game will come in handy as far as QB run and dealing with speed to the perimeter when you have Alvin Kamara being the one who's taking the speed to the perimeter. I think that experience in that Baltimore game will come in useful and helpful for Miami preparing for New Orleans. Defensively, this is where they they really took a hit. Uh, Cam Jordan is back. Marcus Davenport stepping into a bigger role. Demario Davis is a stud at the linebacker position. Malcolm Jenkins is a big-time vet at safety, paired with with Marcus Williams. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is one of those pest-type players who, in the nickel as a third safety, uh, will really frustrate you. But their defensive interior, it's okay. Uh, Zach Bond, Pete Werner projected to take starting reps there uh, at two of the three linebacker spots. I don't think they have a lot of depth uh, in the corner position. they got Patrick Robinson, Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Keith Washington Jr., Bryce Thompson, Grant Haley. Like Their depth at corner is not great, so they're going to lean heavily into Chauncey Garner-Johnson playing the nickel. But all in all, I think this is a winnable game for Miami when you think about the weapons that New Orleans has without Drew Brees. they got two guys offensively. Three, if you include Taysom Hill, is a running threat out of the backfield. Give me Miami to win this game. Week 17, Ryan Tannehill versus the Dolphins. First time since the breakup of 2019. Uh, and this is another winnable game for Miami, let's be completely honest. Um The Titans are one of those teams that has lost the absolute most amongst the AFC playoff field. And um, they're going to really struggle. 
to replace everything that walked out the door. We've talked about this a couple of times when comparing the Dolphins to the rest of the AFC field. They lost their offensive coordinator. Uh, the wide receiver position, their top two wide receivers are A.J. Brown, who's excellent, and Josh Reynolds. Uh, on the offensive line, they currently have Kendall Lamb or Dylan Radunce, an FCS offensive tackle scheduled to start at right tackle. They lost Janu Smith at tight end, leaving Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swain as the two tight ends that are the top two tight ends on the roster. Defensively, uh, their pass rush is going to be predicated, and they'll they'll be helped by getting Bud Dupree back, presumably, You know, it, assuming he's not back for the start of the season after a knee injury at the end of the year last year for Pittsburgh. Him and Harold Landry is a good one-two punch on the outside, and Jeffrey Simmons is a rush presence in the middle. is very good. Uh, they're stout, but they don't have a thumper on the interior. And in the secondary, Caleb Farley, they're betting on him staying healthy as a first-round pick this year and pairing him with Janoris Jenkins and Kevin Johnson as outside wide receivers and, and potentially Elijah Molden stepping into the, the starting nickel role, who's another rookie. So it's, it kind of stinks Miami pulled them late in the year. Presuming it allows the Titans to kind of get their footing underneath of them as far as who's playing where and get their young guys who they're going to have a number of uh, some starting experience at the NFL level. But ultimately, I do want to give this game as well to Miami. You think again about Bernard McKinney, how Miami has helped fortify and solidify in the emergence of Raquan Davis and what that did for the run defense last year, and of course we, we can't account for injuries, so injuries could swing the tide in any one of these games in any different direction. Uh, but this is the most daunting late-season game that Miami has, is going to Tennessee on January 3rd, January 2nd, to play the Titans, or the, one of the teams who I think is most hurt by attrition this offseason. So give me a dub, which puts the Dolphins right now at 12-4 and four going into Week 18, hosting the Patriots. Here's the good news. 12-4. and four. Best record the Dolphins have had in quite some time. Here's the bad news. No matter what the outcome is, the Dolphins in this scenario are locked into their playoff spot. No matter what the outcome is of the Week 18 games between the Dolphins and Patriots and the Bills and Jets. I have the Bills entering this week at 13-3. and three. Miami at 12-4, and four. even if Buffalo lost, Miami won, because I did not give the Dolphins a projected win over Buffalo. And I, again, I want to be, cannot be clear enough before I get any kickback on not projected wins over Buffalo. The path is clear. But I can't in good conscience start projecting wins over Buffalo with how the Dolphins have played Buffalo lately until I see it. So no matter what happens in Week 18, the Dolphins are locked in to the AFC's number 6 seed. So with that in mind, nothing to play for. No bye week to look forward to. You're going to go on the road next week. I'll have Miami sit starters and lose to New England to finish this team with a 12-5 and record. Good for the AFC's number 6 seed. How does that measure up to the rest of the AFC playoff field? I have the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, at 15-2. and two. They did a wonderful job of overhauling their big weakness, their offensive line. The Bills at 14-3. and three. 
are the AFC's number two seed. The number three seed, the Baltimore Ravens, 12-5. and five. The four seed, the Indianapolis Colts, I had it picked, them going 9-8 and eight on the year. The five seed, the Cleveland Browns, tied with Baltimore at 12-5, and five, losing the tiebreaker based on divisional record. The six seed, the Miami Dolphins at 12-5. and five. And the seven seed, the Los Angeles Chargers at 10-7. and seven. As I said earlier in the show, this projection that ended up being three teams with winning records who missed the postseason. The Patriots at 10-7 and seven were the number eight seed in the AFC standings. They missed the playoffs with 10 wins. Uh, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans both finished at 9-8. and eight. Meaning Miami eventually down the stretch here, this, this second half of the schedule really helped them to separate themselves. But this thing was crowded, uh, and it was crowded down the stretch. So it again reiterates the importance of Miami of not starting as slow as they have the last two years under Brian Flores, but really drives home the point that if you position yourselves, again, remember, Miami was 6-4 and four coming out of the, the Thursday night game against Baltimore in this projection. Said this last year, we saw it last year. Good teams go on runs in the second half of the season. They play their best football late. Miami, I think, is again well positioned to do exactly that, and the schedule aligned favorably for them to do so. They just have to navigate the waters of the first six games, first ten games, and make sure you've put yourself in that position to have success. I think they will do it. I think it's unfortunate with the way this thing laid out that if Miami and Buffalo had different outcomes, uh, the division could have potentially been very different. Uh, Miami, if they had beaten Buffalo in one of the two games that they had played, and then they played to win in that Week 17 matchup against New England that I had them sitting their starters in, you could be looking at AFC's championship for the Miami Dolphins. It's all out in front of you. But as things currently stand, uh, I will give the Dolphins the benefit of the doubt in a number of things, but as it comes to beating the cream of the crop in the AFC East, I'm not ready to do it until they show it to me, which means the Dolphins in this projection would finish the year with a 12-5 and record. They would be the AFC's number six seed, and they would go to Baltimore to play the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC wildcard round. So that's kind of where I landed. With this first run through, we'll get a little bit more clarity as we get closer uh, to the season. We'll do another one of these before the start of the season, but I hope you guys enjoyed our first look. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Have a great weekend. Fins up and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.